Welcome, Hoopers of all sizes, ages, gender identities, and skill levels. My name is KJ from Around the Way. I got my co-host and homie, Mr. B, in a place to be. And you're now tuned in to Hoops is a Religion, the podcast. Amen. This being our first episode, I'd like to formally welcome y'all and thank y'all for giving us a listen. Basically, we're two people who love the game of basketball, and we're coming together to do this show to share our love of the game with others who also appreciate the game the same way we do. Even if it's not on the same level as us, we welcome all fans of the game, casual or otherwise. Basketball has been a tremendous impact. It has had a tremendous impact on both of our lives, and will very likely continue to do so until our last dying breath. So it's an honor and pleasure for the both of us to share our joy for the game with the world. And I hope that y'all can share in this joy with us as we begin this journey together. A little bit about myself. I'm KJ, Brooklyn-born, Queens-raised, NYC resident. I've been around the game of basketball from the age of four, whether it was playing, watching, reading, or coaching. Basketball has taught me many of life lessons I carry around with me to this day. And um, it's also been there for me during some of the happiest moments of my life and the darkest times. But uh, all in all, the game has given me so much, from the lessons to the friendships. And uh, I plan on using this podcast platform to give back to the game. Mr. B, would you like to tell the world about yourself? Uh, basketball. Basketball brings the world together, as I think we all know. Um, the fact that you can sit there be from anywhere in the world and you could just have one common goal of just playing the sport of basketball. I think that's really a beautiful thing. As you can see, basketball is expanding farther than just the States and North America. We have it in China, Europe, all over the place. And basketball is starting to grow more globally than it did before. So I'm more likely appreciative, thankfully, for basketball for um, giving me also the opportunity to coach, to talk about it here, right here today. And um, I'm happy that we could do this. All right, all right. You know, we just going, we going to jump right into it. Opening tip time. You know, uh, we about a month into the NBA season. A month and a, a, month and a couple of weeks. So um, a lot been going on. There's a lot of stories to talk about. But we just going to, we just going to shoot from the hip. You know, you got any thoughts about what you've been seeing so far? The East is actually going to be, is actually decent this year. Now that we know there's not a clear-cut favorite, they're actually interesting to watch this year. Even the West. Teams like the Mavericks, the um, Blazers, I'm definitely surprised the Blazers are in the position that they are. I'm definitely surprised about that. Um, I even know it's going to probably kill me because they're in the same division as the Knicks, but I like the move Philly did to getting Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that was huge. That was huge. Um, Washington is in a whole world of dysfunction right about now. Yeah. And they're not the only ones stinking up the joint, but we'll get into that. Yeah, that's for the next segment. Like, one thing I'm really taken aback by as I look at the standings, like, the Clippers are first. However. That's crazy. Doc Rivers is a great coach. And I think that's part of the reason why they're 15-6. and six. They have a lot of great young players, too. Um, Shy Gilgis Alexander, for one example. I had a chance to watch him a little bit in Kentucky. He didn't come on until later on this later on in the year, but he really showed that he's ready to play at the level, and he's in the starting lineup now. So um, I don't think he's going to relinquish that spot. But then you know they got Patrick Beverly back, they got Avery Bradley, Danilo Gallinari's actually healthy, Montrell Haswell, Tobias Harris. All these guys are pretty good players. Like you know I'm not sleeping on them, and um, they still got other guys that you know. Contributed last year, like um, Sandarius Thornwell. How can I forget about Lou Williams, who's really emerged as a leader? 
um, Milos Tadosic, who is probably one of the, the best point guards a lot of people never heard of. He's, you know, doing his thing overseas for years, but this is a team that's going to compete because of Doc Rivers. But let's see how long it lasts, but they've been a pleasant surprise so far. Also, you got Denver in there in the second, hold it down the second spot. Oh. Memphis is actually playing pretty well too, though. Yeah. That that is a surprise to me. Not only be not just because of Memphis. We know the identity for Memphis was always a grit and grind, basically grinded out games, defense. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're holding on to the six seed, especially when teams like you usually used to seeing, like the Spurs or the um, Pelicans or even the Jazz. I'm surprised the Jazz are falling out like the way they are too. They're not sneaking up on nobody no more. Last year, they snuck up on everybody. They did. And, you know, that's a team that you really, like, Joe Ingles, he's one of my favorite players to watch because he could do just anything. He He is petty. He could do just about a lot of things. Donovan Mitchell, I think once he finds that flow again, he'll be okay because he's kind of having a little slow sophomore year. But I think once he picks it up again, the Jazz will be fine. Yeah, yeah. We got to go back to Denver, though, because Denver, like, they've been kind of on the cusp for the last couple of years. I mean, I've been a big fan of Jamal Murray since um, he came out in uh, high school when he was playing, you know, for the, I think it was the Nike Summit Games. You know, he's he's from Canada. Um, pretty soon, he's going to probably be the best player coming out of Canada. To me, he's the best player out of Canada in the NBA right now. And that's until R.J. Barrett comes into the league next year. Um, Besides that, Denver got Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Gary Harris. Yo, Gary Harris is a problem. He's a problem. And then, you know, you got the veteran. Paul Millsap. You know, and then you got Jokic, probably the best passing big man we've seen since Gasol and Vladi. I think he might be able, he might surpass them. Denver owes one team. A very big ass thank you. Do you know who that is? The New York Knicks. I, I had a feeling you was gonna say the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling you was gonna say the Do Knicks. Do you know how much we gave? It's once they traded for Melo. That's when Denver really started to have that come up. And after that, they just started drafting more, like more better, they're smart. And yeah. they after that, and, they, and it's showing. Yeah, they're showing they're the really, second really team, showing. and they're being patient with their draft picks. They're being patient with their players, and it's starting to show that they're the second team in the um second best team in the West right about now. Yeah, and um going back to the East, I think another team that has also I feel like taking people by surprise, but not really is Milwaukee. But the new system really opened things up for them, and Greek Freak is taking another step. Early MVP candidate, obviously. You gotta get a jump shot though. The athleticism yo, that jump shot's going to come because he was like, yo, yeah, wait till I start over. shooting threes. It's over. Because once he gets it, we might not be talking about KD as the best player. Yeah. Or LeBron. Yeah, it might be Giannis. Yeah, it might just be Giannis. It might be Giannis he and Embiid. a jump shot, oh, Lord. In my honest opinion. And Detroit also, um, I think Blake Griffin is like settled in the Detroit, and he's really play- taking his game to another level. Indiana's going to be without Oladipo for a while, so you might see them kind of fall down in the rankings. Kemba Walker, Charlotte, right now, best point guard in the East. Literally. Fight me. Literally. Yes, I He's called him the best point guard in the East over Kyrie. Kyrie will probably relink, will get that title back in the season, but as of right now, if you told me to choose one point guard in the Eastern Conference, I'm choosing Kemba Walker. Shout out to Rice High School. I agree. Kimber um, Walker's been on a tear lately. 
And it's a shame that if he could get a bit more from his teammates, he'll be okay too. He but needs he needs he needs help. And I'm not even I'm not even the type of guy to knock the other twelve guys on the team because they obviously made it to the NBA. You know? But um I also look at it like this, yo. Outside of Kemba, this opportunity, somebody gotta take that opportunity, be aggressive, be in the gym, get your game up, you know? Somebody gotta have that. Somebody gotta be like, yo. There ain't no, no, there ain't no clear number two. I'm gonna be that number two guy. Somebody has to take that opportunity. That's always one thing I look for when you're looking at NBA players that are like within their first couple of years. I'm looking at who's taking advantage of their situation. Who's in the gym trying to get better so they could take advantage of their situation so they could be that go-to guy so they can get their name known. Right now, you know, with all respect to Tony Parker and um, Nicholas Batum, they're vets. But he's 29 though. Who? Nicholas Batum is 29. Yeah, Batum, I think Batum could be a great number two guy if he was more aggressive on offense, but that's not really his game. He's a, he's really a, a He's more of a guy, defensive player. And he's anything. more of a defensive player. Yeah, you're right. 3 and D, but, really. Um, I'm looking at a Jeremy Lamb, a Malik Monk. That team is young, though. So. Miles Bridges, a Willie Herman Gomez, Frank Frank Tank, Kaminsky. Dwayne Bacon. He, Dwayne Bacon actually played for, um, I think he, was play, he got chose to play with Team USA, so they can qualify for, I think, the uh, FIBA World Cup of Basketball. But, um, yeah, you got to take advantage of the opportunity. Kemba's out there doing it by himself, you know, and um, it, it only, it's only going to take but for so long. So somebody got to gotta, gotta step up and step up for opportunity. But um, in that context, you just got to be able to put the work in and get ready for when the moment comes. But... Uh, Overall, though, I can't say right now, even for us the first couple of months, this has been a very interesting season so far. Again, there's not a clear-cut win in the East, even though we having a feeling that it could be Toronto, now possibly Philly. I would like to say Boston. Nah, not really. I'm a New York fan, Knicks fan. I can't see <laughs> Boston. But logically, I would like to say Boston. But right now, I think they're still trying to gel to gel with each other also with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward coming back because they're struggling also. They're the seventh team in the East right now. I expect a better, but I'm going to give them time. It's only December. I think eventually they will be the final four between Milwaukee, Philly, Toronto, and um, Boston. I think they will be the final four. And one of them is going to come out the East. One of them there. Yeah. So I ain't going to worry about Boston too much. If they do lose, I will be happy about that. Best believe I will. But um, I think they'll be all right, though, logically. I think they'll be fine. Um. I, we're probably going to get more into Boston um, as we go into the next segment. We're going to talk about certain teams that's been struggling, certain teams that are living below expectations. But before we even move on to that next segment, I do want to point out two other teams that really caught my eye. One of them is Orlando, and the other one is Sacramento. I had both of them finishing at the bottom of their division. And as of right now, and as of we're recording this, Orlando is second in their division, and Sacramento is fourth. But when you look at the Western Conference, you got 15 teams. 14 of those teams are five and a half games apart. So it kind of, it's just like the reg- this is this looks like what the Western Conference usually looks like. So one game could be the whole difference, literally. Every game at this literally. point, every game it's, at this point, you got to come out with a sense of urgency. One or two games, you in the fourth seed or the ninth seed, it really don't matter at this point. But 
I like the way Sacramento's been playing lately. I have to say, I have to give them some credit. They actually been playing pretty, pretty well. And that game last night against the Clippers was pretty exciting. Yo, yeah, and that game against uh, the OKC game. I watched mm-hmm. the OKC Sacramento game. That game was exciting. Very chippy. And and it was very chippy and very petty too. I I like that kind of basketball. I don't think that kind of basketball is kind of. I don't think that kind of basketball is all the way gone, because you kind of see it a little bit on the college level. But um, there's going to be times in the NBA where teams are going to be like, you know what, I don't want y'all scoring. So, you know what, we're going we gonna to give you a couple of hard fouls. And it's going to happen. But um, the way Sacramento plays, the pace that they play with, I really like the way that they play. And they're letting the young guy, they're letting the young kids run. You know, even Shumpert, who's been looking, Shumpert, when I watched the OKC game, Shumpert was out there getting numbers. And he's going to be a good um, vet to lean on. They still got, they still got Zebo. You know, they have, uh, you know, they got a few, couple of guys. I like Marvin Bagley. Carly Stein looks like he's taking the next level up. We already talked about De'Aaron Fox. He's going to be a top five point guard in a couple of years. Harry Giles III. This is his first officially, this is basically like his rookie year. So you're going to see flashes from him. Buddy Hill taking the next step. Bogdan um, Bogdanovich. Oh, Bogdanovich. That's the shooter right there. Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill. Like we just said, he's... He, I feel like he's going to be a borderline all-star for the next couple of years. But um, they've been a pleasant surprise. And on the eastern side of things with Orlando, like like Aaron Gordon's going to be – I think Aaron Gordon's going to be an all-star. I'm going to put it down right now. Aaron Gordon's going to be an all-star. But the same thing we just talked about with Charlotte. Who's going to be the second guy? Honestly, I think they do have it. You think it's, who do you think it is? I do think it's good to be Vucevic. Honestly, because every time I see him play, he always has a double-double. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Mo Bamba. Definitely like Mo Bamba. Jonathan Isaac, he has to at least do a bit more. I know yeah, he's coming Isaac off injury, but he has yeah. to be a bit more aggressive. See, that's the one thing about defensive players. I always say I'd rather defensive player learning offense than an offensive player and have to commit to defense. Yeah, that's true. Because defense is a mentality. Offense, you sit there, you practice, you get better, and it comes to you naturally. It's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. But when you're a defensive player and you all of a sudden become an offensive monster, again, look at Kawhi Leonard as a perfect example. He came in as known as a defender. A couple years later, after winning the championship, the man's putting up 22, 25 points a game. And oh. now he's already considered one of the, not the second best player in the league. Mm-hmm. So defense is definitely a very big part of it. But I think that's probably the reason why the um, Magic are in the eighth seed right now is because of their defense. Yeah, Steve Clifford has really got them to buy in on the defensive end. Um, I say their biggest issue moving forward is I'm looking at their two-guard situation. Somebody has to be, like, you know, Fournier. consistent. Fournier, I think he would probably be more or less the more consistent guy. But then, you know, you got Jonathan Simmons and Terrence Ross. So, you know... They just have to keep. They have to continue, you know, developing and keep on playing hard. But I think Orlando's going to be in good shape moving forward. They got pieces they can move if they want to get another guy. But they're a very them. big team too, though. Yeah, they're, they're a very, very big, big team. So if you got one guy that goes down and that's not producing, you always got someone who can just shuffle him in right there and then, and always pick up the slack. So I think having all those bigs helps them. It's kind of like when the Knicks had all those bigs, where if one guy went down, they had somebody who could just pick it up. It helps at a certain point, but I think at this point, once their two guards start picking it up, Orlando can actually make a little bit of noise. They're actually a dark horse in the East right now. Facts, facts. Because before Orlando in the playoffs, you never kind of really expected it ever since Dwight Howard was there. But um, this is going to be interesting to see with them moving forward. Yeah, 
Now, moving on to our local teams, because, of course, we're in New York. And just to let y'all know, um, yeah, there's going to be a bias to a certain extent. Because, yes, we're both Knicks fans. I'm a dual citizen. Knicks and Nets. All day. Um, progress is something that we're going to have to deal with, especially when you're talking about this season. We got to take the positives because I'll be real with you. Brooklyn is looking like an early playoff contender, but you know what their problem is right now? They're not really able to close out at home. They play better on the road than they do at home, and they're still under 500. So, you know, they're going to compete. They actually have, a, I think they have a higher playoff ceiling than the Knicks, but I think both teams are in development mode. So if they don't make the playoffs, both teams for the first time and probably maybe, ooh, damn, my lifetime that they both own their first round picks? Actually, since like 94 probably, maybe. Maybe 96, I don't remember, but both the Nets and the Knicks have their first round picks. And right now, every Knicks fan on Twitter is, telling, is talking about tanking for RJ or Zion. How do you feel about I hate, that? I hate tanking. That to me is stupid. You mean to tell me for 82 games you're going to sit there and lose just to get a high pick, who still has to basically develop into the life of the NBA? You got to still wait years for that. That's stupid. I'd rather sit there and say, okay, if we're going to be competitive, I, had, I think I was talking with um, some friends of mine about this before. If the Knicks are playing hard and they lose, I'm okay with that. But I don't want to see them play just and get smacked and then just sit there and be, okay, we're still tanking just to get a draft pick. No, because now you still have to go another 82 games for him to get developed into the season. There you go. That's stupid. So rather at least be competitive and know, like Trey Burke said it best, and shout out to Trey Burke for this, despite knowing that there's a huge talent gap with their team and the rest of the top eight teams in the East, he still believes they can make the playoffs. That's what you're competing for. You ain't sitting there competing just for a draft pick. Yeah, you, you got you to gotta give yourself a chance to win games. And even though you're young, I still think you still could go out there and get it. Um, that's not fair to the fan base, but you also have to be realistic. However, it's a learning process. Like, right now, the Knicks have been struggling to finish games. Let's see them learn from it and then get a couple of Ws. But you know what, though? That's actually progress for them because if they're struggling to finish games, that means they're being competitive for all four quarters. It's just the last maybe five, two to five minutes that's getting them. But also, that's also veteran leadership that they really don't have. They don't. That's what Timmy got to step up. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. has to really step up and be a vet and be a leader in those moments. Even if he's not getting the shots, to either put the team ahead, tie the game, or to, you know, give them a cushion. He has to make sure his awareness and his um his mentality in those moments is is something that can rub off on the rest of the team. I'm looking for Timmy to be more of that leader in crunch time. Even if he doesn't take the crunch time shots, he has to be that 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 guide. He has been showing it though. He's been showing, like, when he huddles the team together and he's been running game plan, keeping their spirits up. He has been showing that the only thing that kills me about Tim Hardaway is his, his shot selection kills me sometimes. Like, it kills me. Yeah, like, his shot selection is, oh, man. Like, in but transition? Gotta... Oh, boy, I trust him in running the floor every day, all day. If we, gotta need, if we need a basket the last two seconds running the floor, I trust Tim Hardaway with it with my life. But 
But that shots, like, sometimes you just pull up for a three. I'm like, no. But you got to remember, too, one thing uh, about um, Tim Hardaway Jr. to me is, like, this is his, really his first time as the guy. As the guy. The guy. So, so Chris Stops gets back, he is the so guy right Chris now. Stops gets back, he is the guy. And the wildest thing that I was just thinking about, the Nets have closers. The Nets actually have three closers. They have Spencer Dinwiddie, mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell, and Karis LeVert. Like, so the Nets are doing good on that end. And then Jared Allen, that's a piece. That's a piece you could definitely be like, yo, we keeping him, win, lose, a draw. But it's going to be interesting to see what the Nets do come December 8th because then that's when they can get they get off of Spencer Dinwiddie, that extension. We don't know what's going to happen, but I think the Nets are in a great position, win-win, because even if they don't offer him the extension, they might be able to, 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 to move him before the trade deadline, even for a draft pick or for something else. But regardless, the Nets are really in, in, in prime position. And they also have their issue, to me, is not even about them finishing games because they have the finishers. I think their issue is con- not continuity, but just trying to develop the consistency. So it's consistency. And that's really all that that's really all that it boils down to. But we're looking forward to hearing y'all thoughts because we know we're gonna have a lot of a lot of Knicks fans and a lot of Nets fans um tuning in and people that don't like New York. So share your opinion with us. Like let us know like why you think the Knicks and why you think the Nets ain't where they need to be in the league. You know what I'm saying? So we're really looking forward to a lot of feedback from y'all about just rec- the NBA stuff. Um, and this is going to be an NBA-heavy show for our first one because we was really really chopping it up about the season. Like We've been really hyping. Plus, basketball, um, college is starting. It's just starting. It's just starting to get into shape. So by the time the second show comes, we're going to have a lot more to discuss on the college end of things and on the high school end. So we're just giving it time to develop so we can have some things to talk about. But um, in our next segment, you know, we're going to be in transition um, that's going to be the name of the segment in transition. We're going to talk about some of the teams that are struggling and some of the rookies that we're really impressed by. So um, we'll be right back. Hoops is a religion, the podcast. We in transition now. Team struggles. We got some teams that are playing above expectations like we talked about in the prior segment. And now you got the teams that are not living up to the hype. Who are we going to start with? I say we start with the Washington Lizards. <laughs> oh, boy. Washington, Washington, Washington. Now, I've been always a believer that it's been time to break that team up. It's been time. Years after years, they make it to the playoffs, and sometimes they're one of those teams where you know they're going to make playoffs, but then next thing you know, you look at them like, how did they make the playoffs? They look like one of those teams that could be elite in the East, and then they look like one of those teams where it's like, what are you doing? And granted, you know, Bradley Bill, you know, he, they and John Wall, they faced a lot of injuries too, and they really didn't have, um, you know, there's been inconsistencies with their injuries. But damn, Washington, it, it's just, it, it hurts for me to see because they're one of the more, like when they're healthy, they're one of the most excited teams to watch. But now when they're struggling, it's, it's just time to break that team up. 
And to make matters worse, Dwight Howard's actually going to be... He's actually going under the knife. Look, can we not please bring up Dwight Howard right now? You think it's the curse of Dwight Howard? (laughs) Dwight's under his own curse right now. We're going to leave Dwight Yeah, we're going to leave it at that because um, he's messy in general. That's off the court, you know? Yeah, we're going to leave that alone. (laughs) On this show, we really try to keep things about basketball. I'm not really a big fan about speaking on these people's personal lives because... You know, just like any and everybody else, we all have our problems, we all have our demons, we all have our our flaws, and a lot of those things don't really affect the outcome of basketball games. So on Hoops is a Religion, we're trying to keep it strictly basketball. But we do wish him a speedy recovery, though. Yeah, speedy recovery. surgery for his glutes. Yeah. Um, But I feel for John Wall. Because uh, John Wall's been with this team for about seven years now. His he's, whole career, actually. His whole he's career. another one we was talking about. His whole career. He's the only player that's been there in that whole team his whole career. Yeah, and um, he's. I know he wants to win because he's a competitor. And Washington's a great sports city. They've been starving for a, a, a championship. And their last NBA championship came in, I believe, 1978 when they had Elvin Hayes and Wes Unseld and the OG Bobby Dandridge. If you don't know these names, Google them. Because there were problems back in the day. All the OGs can vouch for what I'm saying. Um, but, yeah, they've been it's underwhelming. I'm hearing about them arguing and all that other extra stuff. And this was like, and this is like the worst time to do it in a LeBronless East. Y'all choosing the perfect time to implode. Like, like fighting bruh. in practice. Fighting in practice? Really? Okay. Practice? Practice. We talking about practice. We talking about practice? We talking about practice. Oh, not practice. Not practice. Yes, practice. Fight at practice. No bueno. And look, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I don't, look, I don't mind a little fighting in practice. If that's going to help your teammate get better, like, you know, I feel like if my teammate ain't ready to swing at me, I guess I ain't go hard at him. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I need feedback on this. Um, But it's, they're 8 and 13. It's not too late. And they're actually like... The ninth team, they're the ninth team in the East. They're not out of it. They're not, they're not out, out of it. it. They're not out of it, you know? So they still got enough time to get, get it together. Um, Another team in the East that was performing below expectations for me was Miami. I expected Miami to do a lot more. Um, But they're still like a middle-of-the-road team in the Eastern Conference. They're not necessarily like rebuilding, but they're not necessarily competing. Um... You know, Wade is going to be his last year, so, you know, shout, shout out, out to, to him. D-Wade. Shout out to D-Wade, future Hall of Famer. You know, he had that franchise on his back for so long. I felt like Riley should have paid him after after um, that one year, that one post-LeBron year. Riley should have paid him and kept him in that uniform. Um, he shouldn't have been in Chicago or Cleveland. That's just my honest opinion. Hassan Whiteside, he's been coming and going. He needs to stay because, honestly – when motivated, he could be the best big man in the East. But Deion Waiters isn't didn't come back yet, though. I do believe that's probably why they're struggling also, because Deion Waiters hasn't been playing. I don't know what was his injury. I don't even I didn't even know he was injured. But here's an interesting question, though. When Deion Waiters come back, you think he's gonna take Josh Richardson's spot? No. There we go. No. <laughs> Case closed. The way he's been playing, no. Look, and I got Josh Richardson on my fantasy team. Shout out to Hoops is a Religion, Fantasy League. Um, Preston, don't get comfortable because you're going to get washed. I'm telling you this right now. Um, but, um, yeah, Josh Richardson been balling his 
ass off. And he's my vote for most improved player right now. With all due respect. But um they've been um they've been kind of Miami's been kind of underwhelming. Um but and I'm not surprised though. Yeah. It's, it's and the, then I mean, if they made playoffs, yay, but you know if they didn't, you know, kinda expect it. So they're not like one of those teams where you have high expectations for anyway. But I would like to see them make playoffs, you know, for at least, you know, Dwayne Wade's last season. That would be a good way to go out. Yeah, and a LeBronless yeah. East, give him a give him a give him another shot. All Who right. knows? You can get title number what, four? Mm-hmm. You know? I know it ain't happening, but you know, I wouldn't yeah. be mad if it did. And speaking of titles, Houston. Oh, Houston. They're number fourteen in the in the West right now, but don't it's not that bad because, like we said in the prior segment, everybody in the West is about five games separated from each other, oh, with no, the exception no. of Phoenix. Houston is bad. Like Houston, we have a problem. Yes, it's legit. They have a real problem. We blaming Melo for ten games. Blaming Carmelo Yo, for all Houston's problems. We gonna get him back. Melo's <laughs> been gone, and they still's been struggling. Still, yeah, so Melo ain't the scapegoat. So Melo has not been the problem. Melo. Injuries for Houston has been. The problem getting rid go. of their two best defenders has been the problem. <laughs> Here we go. Chris Paul getting injured is the problem. So we're blaming Carmelo for what again? Because he's only been he only averaged with thirteen points and five rebounds, and he's playing off the bench. Nah, that yeah. ain't that ain't Melo problem. Melo yeah. brought Melo came in and he brought he brought in. He came off the bench. And he came off the bench. Honestly, I felt like, yo, Melo should have probably came off the bench with OKC. He should have been starting for Houston because Houston needs a small forward to start. You have one right there. To me, a lot of people sit there and say, oh, well, Melo, he can't do no more. People seem to forget that Melo and LeBron are about the same age. Melo and Chris Paul are about the same age. LeBron's still dunking like he in his 20s. He still moves like he's in his 20s. I don't want to hear none of this about his age. The man can still score at will. He can still have, he still has strength. Yes, I understand once you're in your 30s, early 30s basketball, yeah, it's kind of, you wind it down the twilight of your career, but that is absolutely disrespectful how they treat this man like that. Yeah, like I felt like Carmelo should have been on his Bob McAdoo at this point in his career because for some of y'all that are not familiar with Bob McAdoo, he is a Hall of Famer. Played for the Buffalo Braves before they became the Clippers. Um, he led the league in scoring and rebounding, won the MVP. Um, in the back end of his career, he joined the Lakers. He won two titles with the Lakers in 82 and 85. He was a uh, sixth man, came off the bench, was getting buckets. I felt like Melo could have did that. But I understand, you know, him being a great player. And I understand, you know, when you got your pride and, you know, you've been basically a starter for most of your basketball career, sometimes it's hard to take, you know, to be able to take that step back and uh, to get on the bench. And I completely understand that. But at the same time, I'm like, yo, if you really want to win, you know, five a time, you know, give yourself that opportunity. I'm, I'm really big on, you know, giving yourself an opportunity to do something. But um, still, I feel like Melo is not done. Another team's going to pick him up. I heard people talking about how he needs to come back to New York, whether it's for the Knicks or the Nets. I'm not sure, but it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because I don't think he's finished. Honestly, I would like to see him in the Lakers uniform. They need some, they need some scoring off the bench, so I don't see because why not. Because even if 
he doesn't play as many minutes. Because you see they just signed Tyson Chandler, and he's starting over JaVale McGee. Melo's still a veteran in this league, and you still have a lot of young players on that Lakers squad. So if Lonzo, like Rondo's out with his um, hand injury, Lonzo Ball hasn't been that great taking his spot. Brandon Ingram, okay, Keep but, him in the not, but not, you know, ex, you know not exceeding expectations. But Josh Harden, like, he'll come along. But, you know, some of these guys aren't taking the opportunity like they should. So, to me, having a veteran like Melo, who maybe if you want to have him come off the bench, have him start, he could still spread the floor. And then you have him like someone like LeBron, who's basically a, a point forward. Actually, he is probably the only point forward in the league right now, but – that actually might resurge Melo's career just for a bit, and that could actually give them to me. That might actually help them against Golden State when the time that they need some scoring. Yeah, and you know we didn't mention the uh, Lakers in the first segment, but I felt like we could save them for this segment because they have been struggling a little bit, primarily because they're a new team. Because the LeBron fact is a lot to consider, like. Um, there's a transitional phase that the Lakers are going through now, trying to acclimate LeBron and the pieces around him. So there's that reason that they're struggling. Um, and you also want to make sure that you're developing your Brandon Ingrams and your Lonzo Bulls and your Josh Hart's and your Kyle Kuzma's without hindering LeBron's chance at being competitive. So that's how that struggle is kind of playing out. But I think they'll figure it out. I can see them climbing up the the uh, the standings in the West. Imagine if they trade for Bradley Beal. There's been rumors stating rumors. that the Lakers might actually rumors. try to get Bradley Beal. And if they do, because they need a shot creator. And those and whispers think, are getting loud. And I think Bradley Beal will actually benefit being on that team. Now, granted, you might have to give up Brandon Ingram or Alonzo Ball or both or Kyle Kuzma. But... If you're going to sit there and especially bring Showtime back to L.A., Bradley Beal wouldn't be a bad pickup. And he's not only like Bradley Beal's like 25, 26. Yeah. He's not, he's not like, he maybe not be a young, like like Brandon Ingram or Alonzo Ball, but he's been in the league long enough where he knows what's expected of him. He could give you big minutes, big points. I wouldn't mind trading for Bradley Beal. Okay, so you're Rob Palenka. Who are you giving up for Bradley Beal? Kuzma or Ingram? Hmm. Damn, that's a difficult one. That's actually a difficult one. I actually, I would trade Ingram. I was thinking Kuzma and a first rounder, but I digress. I mean, to each of his own, but maybe, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But I know either way, somebody actually would have to go between one of the two. But I think Ingram makes the deal sweeter. Yeah. But then you know what? Yeah. Imagine if not. Washington can't throw an Otto Porter because he has a huge contract. Maybe so Kelly, they're stuck Kelly, with Maybe him. Kelly Oubre. Yo, Oubre's underrated. He's, he really is. He's Kelly underrated. Kelly Oubre is a very, and that's why I kind of say you maybe, um, no, who else? But if you Oubre. keep Oubre, you could slide Oubre to the two. Mm-hmm. And he could play the three and LeBron could be at the four. You never see. I mean, even if you have LeBron play at the point guard position, even though it's not likely to happen, but even if you do, the Lakers are going to end up trying to play small anyway because of the conference that they're in. Mm-hmm. And Tyson's only going to be on the floor for really for defense in those big minutes. I mean, like for them really defensive minutes because 
You're not going to trust JaVale McGee down the stretch like that. Yeah. You're not. And Tyson Chandler got a championship pedigree where he knows. And he's an Olympian. And he is. And he knows the ins and outs. He's a veteran. He's been doing this a lot long. I'm actually happy for Tyson Chandler. I really am. Because he's always been one of those centers to me that didn't get recognition like he should. Because he didn't, he's not a traditional big man. But he's one of those big men that could change the game in a very big way. Like when he came to the Knicks... Oh, he changed the. He's part of the reason why that culture got changed. Him and Wixon, facts. By far, Tyson bought energy like nobody else defensively, and like it was just intense. Mm hmm. And, you know, speaking of big guys that, you know, make an impact, we're going to go right into our rookie report because I've been kind of foaming at the mouth to speak about DeAndre Ayton. This guy's a problem. Um, yeah, he might not be showing consistent flashes of it, but he is probably going to be the second best big man in the league in a couple of years, right behind Joel Embiid. Guarantee that. Um, he's actually on top of my rookie ladder. Actually, Luka Doncic is actually at the top of my rookie ladder. Mm. Who am I kidding? But um, DeAndre Ayton's number two. 16 points, 10 rebounds, and 2.5 assists. That's not that's not bad. And how about our boy Isozo? Isozo. Oh, Alonzo Trier. Probably one of the many, actually one of the very few bright spots in the Knicks season this year. Very few. He's the traditional 2K, my player storyline right about now. Facts. Going undrafted, getting making a team, me not helping him that much of in a big way where they're winning games, but... He is sitting there taking the man, making the best of his opportunities on that team, though. I'm very happy for him. And the thing that's wild about it, like, yo, first some New York, I know how some New York Knicks fans are. Some of them are very casual as shit. They don't even follow any basketball outside of the Knicks. Because if you did, you would have heard of Alonzo Trier. Alonzo Trier was going head-to-head with D'Angelo Russell when he was in high school. He's one of the top prospects coming out of high school. The only reputation he had was that of being a, a bullhog, but... And, you know, he had that little trouble in Arizona, and I course. think that's what led to him not being drafted. drafted. But thank you. Appreciate it. We'll take him. Mm-hmm. He just has to stay consistent, though. And I think he will, because I think him not getting drafted, it put a it, it mm-hmm. put a battery in his back. And now the rest of the league is going to pay. You know, I think the Knicks should uh, wave Cornette. No disrespect to the big fella, but we got, got a lot of big bigs. fellas already. Way too many bigs. We got way too many bigs, so I think he's going to get waved. They're going to keep Trier, and um, he's going to continue getting better. But he's one of the, the rookies that I've been enjoying personally. Um, outside of Luca, cause Luca, I've been, I heard about him from the last Olympics. Yeah, him and Dennis that, Smith, and he, Jones. and that's when he was oh, sixteen, Lord. I believe. He was playing at the Olympic level since sixteen. He's been a pro for like the last four or five years of his life. That's why he looks the way he does. He's ready. He's been ready. Like I've seen his his highlight tape. I, I can I can have, we could do a whole segment on Luca by himself. But outside of him, I've been impressed with uh, Trey Young, of course. Um, we talked about Shy Gilgis Alexander from the Clippers. I like uh, Colin Sexton. There's a lot of guards, actually, that's really, really being displayed, and they're showing like, yo, they were ready for this. Le- they were ready for this level. And we were talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, we was actually listening to uh, the game on our way over here, and Jaron Jackson's basically 
housing the Nets, and he was like, you know, it's uh, he scored like thirteen of the team's first fifteen points, something like that. Literally, but he's solid. You got Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter. He's he's starting to um pick his game up a little bit. Um, I really like this rookie class, and I think um there's really gonna be some legit star. Like I think the star power in this rookie class is really really exceptional. Um, especially at the top when you're talking about Aiton, Donchick, mm-hmm. Young. I think Trier, give, if he's given the opportunity to run there. the show, I think he has all the tools and the scoring ability to be a star in this league. I need Kevin Knox to step it up, though. Kevin Knox, he's, he got it. He, need, he has a way to go, to be honest with you. But I think his game is best suited like in a running, like a running transition type of game. Because in Summer League, you've seen he had most of his points. He was killing it when he was running the floor. So I think once the Knicks, if they start running a bit more in those transitions, you get some open spaces, I think that's where his confidence starts to grow. All you need to see is one basket fall for you to feel confident. Facts. So facts. I think once he starts getting a bit more comfortable, acclimate, because he's only, what, 19? Yeah. He'll be okay. Again, you can't expect a 19, 20-year-old to sit there and figure it out right off the bat, especially just coming right out of college. So I think give him a bit more time, let him find some of his confidence, his flow, and he'll be a, he'll be actually pretty good with the Knicks. Yeah, I think so. I think it starts on the defensive end with him. You know, I feel like yo the best way you can get your rhythm, play it on play on defense, see how the rest of the things work out. Um, but overall, I think Knox is gonna I think Knox is gonna be a player in this league as well. But and I need him to step it up though. Yeah, yeah. But you gotta have patience also, and I think that's what it is with a lot of these rookies. Um, gotta have patience. Gotta have patience. Um, but yeah. Um, we are now at the uh, halfway segment of Hoops is a Religion podcast. You know, um, if you want to follow us, follow us on IG, Hoops is a Religion. You know, we be uh, keeping the content going. We're trying to, you know, do, do our best to keep the content fresh. Um, we want as much interaction as possible, you know. Um... Shout out to Nike too, cause um I was looking on the website, and they got some holiday they got some holiday heat for y'all. So check out the website. Holiday heat. Yeah, got some holiday heat. That's right. Tomorrow will be the first day of December. I'm pretty sure everybody got their Black shopping, Black Friday shopping out the way, Cyber Monday deals. But it's only just the beginning, and we all know that we all love sports. Sports bring the world together. So as of today, the NBA store on Nike on NBA store is actually doing twenty percent off and twenty five percent off of deals over twenty five twenty five dollars and forty nine dollars. That's litty. Only for the next two hours and forty five minutes though. And if you can't wait, of course the NBA store in Manhattan, I believe it's on Forty Fifth Street and Seventh Avenue. They always have deals in there. That's possibly my favorite store to shop at when I go to the city. And I know they more likely have some deals going on, memorabilia, custom-made jerseys, which I got myself last year for my birthday. Got a custom-made Knicks jersey. That's probably the best thing I bought myself. Hey, treat yourself. <laughs> probably the best thing I bought myself. Yo, and shout-out to Gatorade, too. Mr. B put me on to the Gatorade bottles, the customized joints. Yo. Oh, I should have bought it. Valid. I should have bought it. Valid. Oh, boy, I should have bought it. I should have bought it with me today. Something told me I left that. So I said, I'm forgetting something. I actually bought 
actually bought two students. You familiar with one of them? Yes. The adopted one. Yes, I adopted and one. And I bought uh, my younger cousin one. Actually, I got her a Lakers one. She came to school and uh, had a whole Lakers King vibe thing with LeBron. So that was a nice thing. I got that for her birthday, and I got uh, adopted one, a yellow one. She wanted a yellow one. She didn't have a specific team, but to each his own. So she enjoyed it. I told her she better not lose it, but <laughs> um, yeah. So she got one. So shout out to Gatorade, Gatorade.com. I believe the GX series. Got your favorite teams. If it's not basketball, they got football. If you're not a fan of a certain sport or a team, they got regular colors. Choose one, get one, make yourself happy, stay hydrated. Yo, and shout out, shout out to Burlington Coat Factory by Green Acres, cause I was up in there like last month. And I found a Knicks jacket for like thirty bucks in there, and shout out to Old Navy because I found the uh, I got a, a Nets hoodie for like I think like forty percent off. So holiday time, you know, get your gear, especially if you want to rep your team. There's a lot of deals out there for you, and if you got a friend, a family member, or a loved one that's uh, uh, a fan of whatever team, get them a jersey. You got so many options. Give yourself that chance to make somebody happy this holiday season. You know? Especially during the holiday seasons. Yeah. Especially during the holiday seasons. What better time of year to sit there and get gifts, especially from sports fans? And we're looking forward to giving y'all the gift of this podcast moving forward. So, you know, stick with the winning team. <laughs> This is Hoops is a Religion, the podcast. We'll be back. Coach's Corner is coming up next. And Greg Popovich said some very interesting things. And I've been looking forward to discussing this. When doesn't he say anything interesting? That's facts. When he's sleeping. But I bet you even his dreams be lit. So (laughs) (laughs) when we get back, we're going to get into the comments. This is Hoops is a Religion, the podcast. Hoops is a Religion, the podcast. We're back. And now it's time for Coach's Corner. I've been waiting to talk about this since, like, Monday. Um, Greg Popovich. He said, there is no, and I'm quoting him, there's no basketball anymore. There's no beauty in it. It's pretty boring. Um, But here's the whole quote. You're talking about the three-point shot. I hate it. But I've always had. Let me start it like this. Quote, I hate it, but I always have. I've hated the three for 20 years. That's why I make a joke about it all the time. And say, if we're going to make a different game, let's have a four-point play. Because if everyone likes the three, they don't really like the four. People will jump out their seats if we have a five-point play. It'll be great. Then he went to say, there's no basketball anymore. There's no beauty in it. It's pretty boring. But it is what it is, and you need to work with it. How you feel about that, Mr. B? I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. He's right. Everybody now has to sit there and prepare for a team with a three ball. You look at Golden State as a prime example. Houston is also wonderful. You have these teams who sit there and live and die by the three ball. I even bring it so far as back as the what, 08, 09 Orlando Magic where they lived and died by the three ball. So now you have bigs that can shoot. You have everybody on your floor that can shoot. Now, 
I may not have been overly around during the physical era of basketball, but at least you knew there was going to be some form of excitement. You knew that there's going to be some physicality. There's going to be some chippiness, some toughness. Now, if you sit there, you watch a basketball game, they throw the shot up, and they even so much as even just tap an elbow, it's a foul call. It really ain't no fun when you got to sit there and watch a team like Golden State knowing they're just going to run a screen, shoot the ball, and keep shooting and shooting and shooting and knocking it down. After a while, you just won't, you don't even really want to watch it anymore. And the better question is, how do you guard that? No, I heard um, somewhere that NBA defenses tend to be a generation behind the offenses. So we'll pr- we probably won't know the answer to that for another couple of years. But um, I agree with Popovich to a certain extent. But um, you know the NBA is a copycat league, and a funny and the most ironic thing is the Warriors. They have Steph Curry, they have Klay Thompson. Yes, they're three point shooters, but the Warriors look for the best shot. Sometimes that shot's gonna be created and it's gonna end up in the mid range. They prefer the high percentage shot because they run they run their curls, pick and roll alley. They like to get it to the rim, especially when you got Draymond. Um, they really go for the best shot. It's not really about the three pointer, but we associate them with the three-pointer because of Steph and Clay. You could talk about the Suns with Nash. Um, you can also talk about um, – I was thinking about the, the the magic with a young Shaq. You throw it to Shaq. Shaq had Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott, Brian Shaw. He had – you know, Shaq in his prime had guys around him that could make threes. So – it wasn't necessarily about the three-point shot, but you're just adjusting to your personnel. And we were talking about it before the show came on. You got a Joel Embiid. Pretty soon, you're going to have teams drafting to try to keep up to stop a Joel Embiid. You got DeAndre Ayton. You still have great big men, and the skill set of the big men has evolved to the point where in order for you to stay on the court, you got to know how to make a three-pointer. However, does it hurt the game? Somewhat, but at the same time, you do have to understand that this is where today's basketball is. Stretch five, perimeter, outside in. But I do think, once again, Joel Embiid, who also shoots three. But he's going to get his food inside. Then you're going to double him. And then guess what he's going to end up doing? Kicking it out to a shooter. However, though, a lot of people will have to adapt. See, all those open plays, like for Golden State, all of them get those open plays is because of the three-point shooting. So now it's a pick your poison. Now either I'm going to leave them open because Steph, Steph, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are pulling up almost at the logo. They ain't even behind the line anymore. They're pulling up behind the logo. KD put up a three at the logo. Yo, Steph Curry brushes his teeth in the morning and throws the basketball out of his window, and you still have to guard it. Literally. Literally. So now, when you have a three-point shooter like that, even you look at Damian Lillard, it opens up the rest of the floor because you're not going to leave a guy like that open. Nah. So now someone's going to have to overcommit, someone's going to miss an assignment, and that's either going to leave someone open at the basket or that's going to leave somebody open for a three-point shot. Either way... (laughs) It spells bad news for a defender if they sit there and have to guard something like that. And I'll level with you. 
Pop is probably the best coach at defending the three-point line, and it's ironic mm-hmm. that he says he hates it. He hates it, but he's so good at guarding against it. Explain that to me. Well, you know, Popovich, he, he's a different breed of coach. <laughs> he's definitely a different breed, but I can see where he is coming from, especially where he's, you know, he's been in the league for as many years as he's been. I can understand why that's a pain in the, pain in the bond, especially um, the generations of players he's coached. And he's seen this generation evolve around him now that it's been a physical game. Now it's becoming a game of jump shots. The mid-range games, you don't even see too many mid-range games anymore. Shout out to DeRozan. You don't see that anymore. I think Shout out to Westbrook. DeRozan, Westbrook, and Carmelo. Kristaps at times will hit, hit an elbow jump, but you don't see too many mid-range jump shooters anymore either. Yeah, and I'm I miss the mid range. Like I I lived and died on the mid range. I always felt like, you know, the paint's always packed. And everybody want to occupy the perimeter. You know, you square up from whatever wing you want. You know, put that triple threat. If you know you're gonna get to that, you want to get your shot at the mid range. Even if your defender knows it, they can still defend you. But if you're comfortable taking contested shots in the mid range. And you have the confidence that you can make the shot. To me, it's not a bad shot. My thing is, you got to keep defenders honest because you can't even. It's too predictable. Either you're gonna go all the way to the three point, you go all the way to the to the can, or you're gonna shoot a three pointer. You got to keep them on their feet. I could pull up from mid range too. Now, oh shit, he's in his bag now. How the fuck am I gonna guard him now? You you see that defender, his fingers is like moving, and it's not because he's overly eager and excited to play defense. He's just trying to anticipate what you're going to do next. Because when you open up the whole bag of tricks, you got that. You can take it to the rack, get it to the line, shoot that three, hit that mid-range. What's next now? Now you like, I I got you. I got you where I need you, basically, as an offensive player. It's pick your poison. And I understand where Popovich is coming from because as a coach, you're getting young guys in the league. And these a lot of these young guys, they fall in love with three points. Even as coaches, we see our kids. Any like, oh boy, oh. our school don't have a three point line in our gym. In our home floor, we don't have a three point line. But kids are shooting from a line. That but they're shooting exist. from a line that doesn't even exist. I don't even think our league has three pointers at all. No, there's some schools in some our league because we play for. Shout out to the AOA Academics Over Athletics. The season's gonna start for the next month or two, so we're definitely gonna be talking about that. But there's certain schools in our league that have three-point lines. So when our kids see the three-point line, man, in pregame, they're trying to jack it up. And I'm like, yo, have you made any, have you made one three-pointer in a game this have season? Have you made a free throw? Have you made a free a throw? Layup. And it'd be the simple things that, and again, there's nothing wrong trying to practice a three-point. If you could sit there and have the shot, by all means, take it. But don't let that be the first and only thing you practice. Because, one, that takes a lot of upper body strength to constantly hit a three-pointer. I don't think anybody knows that. That takes a lot of arm strength and a lot of upper body strength to do that and muscle memory. Free throws, you know, layups, simple things like that can actually lead into being a better three-point shooter. But, again, it's been so influenced. Three-point shooting has literally taken over the league to the point where, again, as you said, kids and everybody else, the first thing they're practicing is a three-point shot. And that's by far the lowest percentage type of shot you can really get in a basketball game. And the work that you have to put in to become a great shooter. And the concentration. And, and the, the concentration. Like, 
it, it, it's a lot of work. So I feel like I know Popovich has a respect for Steph Curry. I know Steph disagreed with his comments, but I think Popovich understands what a Steph Curry has to do to be great. And I don't know, and I know Popovich is not taking that away from Steph, but he's seeing how, you know, it can also go to the, the, the opposite way because even from the youth level, a lot of players don't understand the work that it takes to become a great shooter. Actually, Popovich also said something else that was interesting. Oh, boy. So this is going to hurt a little bit because San Antonio is one of my favorite teams. Oh, but um, I think I know what you're going to say. Popovich said on terms of Kawhi that he is a very great player, but he wasn't a leader. The teams, in terms of their leadership, really came from Manu, Tony, Tim, and uh, it was Patty last season. So Kawhi, in rebuttal, said that it's funny how they forget that when you play that, that's a form of leadership. I don't think Popovich meant any harm when he said it. Part of me thinks he's a little hurt that Kawhi's not there, but... Understood. I do think that in terms of a sense that Kawhi isn't one of those vocal type of leaders like you'll get from a Draymond or you'll get from any other player like a LeBron or a Chris Paul or even a Rondo maybe, but he was one of those players where Kawhi... He would take the ball, he'll go. He'll go, he'll go, he'll go. And he'll show his leadership through the court. So I think that's what Kawhi's like, hey, look, when I was there, I basically played my heart out. I was playing, I was playing, and, you know, that was my way of forming leadership. Some people do better by showing, saying, here, do as I say and watch as I do, opposed to saying this is how you do it and this is how you get better. It's the same thing when they asked J.R. Smith between LeBron and Carmelo. Mel is one of those guys to go out there and just do it while and you follow from there, opposed to LeBron saying, yo, hey, this is the way you do it, this is the way you can do it, opposed to just going out there and just doing it himself. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, I think Popovich is just used to having that kind of vocal leadership that a Duncan, a Manu, and a, a Tony brings to the table. But I also do believe that leadership is also something that um, you can lead by example. Um, but... I wasn't really surprised that Pop said that because I, f I felt like Kawhi is a quiet dude, so I wasn't really mm -hmm. expecting him to be a rah, rah, rah vocal kind of guy, but I know his work ethic is through the roof, and that's a way you can lead. So I think those comments from Pop is um something that was probably like, you know, like Chris Webber said it last night during the Warriors uh, Raptors game. He was like, it's kind of like scorned lovers, you know, saying these comments. So um, I'm not really taking it that seriously because I know Pop has a tremendous respect for Kawhi Leonard. You know, if I can understand why Kawhi's a quiet dude. <laughs> his, laugh at his, <laughs> his laugh at his media day had it. <laughs> <laughs> his laugh at media day, oh boy. I can see why he's a quiet dude, because I think it was an awkward situation for everybody with that one. That had me cracking. <laughs> Yo, his, his laugh ain't more annoying than Peter Griffin's. No, so, no, no, you know, nothing, nothing so is more. He's good. That. His laugh is funny to me. But, but it was know. just awkward when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, didn't, I didn't know he, he could even laugh, to be honest with you. Shit, I think that nobody knew he could laugh. <laughs> I don't think nobody I don't knew. Think nobody knew he could laugh, but... um. Shout out to Kawhi Leonard, though. Shout out to Kawhi. Not happy he's in a Raptors uniform, but I, shout out to Kawhi Leonard. Glad to see him. Bro, he might resign. I know. That's the scary part. He might actually. Because so he, 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 he said he'll give Toronto a chance. 
why not? They the best team in the East right now. Yeah, I mean, and then right now, at first I thought it was ludicrous, but um, <laughs> apparently I stand corrected. He, he's they actually Toronto's doing pretty good right now, especially where LeBron is not in the East <laughs> no more. It's wide open for the taking. So somebody in that conference is going to the finals that isn't LeBron James. And shout out to Kyle Lowry. That's my second favorite point guard in the East behind Kemba Walker. He's the truth. He really is. You know. And speaking of the truth, it's clutch time. Oh, yes. My favorite segment of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we know who the best player in the NBA is today. LeBron James. Well, at least for now, in my opinion. But the question on everybody's mind is the real debate right about now is who is the second best player in the league? Or, as I would like to say, 1B. Some people feel it's KD. Some people feel it's Kawhi. Some will go as far as say it's Antetokounmpo. Me, personally, I'm not trying to be biased, but I do think it's Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi came into the league, you know, as a, known as a reputation for a defender, but grown as into a two-way player, if not the best in the league right now. KD, on the other hand, is an offensive juggernaut who's also getting better as a defender. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is a young upstart who simply is by far, if not, the most exciting small forward in the game right now. So, which begs the question between these three, who is the second best player, or as I said before, 1B? Ooh, man, that's a really, really tough question. That's like, who's the best MC, Biggie, Jay-Z, or Nas? Right? Right? I mean, like, you really putting me in a tough position, right? I don't want to be like, all right, I'm going to go with rings. So it's easy for me to make the Can't say, say that, yeah. that's the case, Bill Russell got 11. I still think Bill Russell's a goal, but we're going to get into that topic. See? We're going to probably get into that topic on another episode. Matter of fact, we might have to reserve an episode just for that, just for the GOAT conversation. Um, But, okay, so KD, he has the offensive repertoire over Kawhi, but Kawhi has the defensive repertoire over KD. Kawhi is the best two-way player in the league. I feel like KD hasn't gotten enough credit. He hasn't gotten enough credit for improving on the defense. And he has. That's the thing. KD actually has gotten better. Extremely, he gotten better. He's a bit more. But I do think it's because he is more engaged. He doesn't have more of an offensive load to carry as he did in OKC with Westbrook. But at the same time, he also has a guy like Draymond Green who will hold him accountable if he does not play any defense. There we go. So I think for him, that kind of lit a spark under him to sit there and say, okay, let me be that guy to prove that I can play defense. Because KD's a very tall dude. TV don't do these dudes no type of justice. You He's see a legit seven feet. I saw him the last year he was with Yo. OKC. I saw him at a Nets game. He was the same height as Brooke Lopez. Yo, TV does not do any of these dudes justice. Christoph Porzingis, like, you see the guy on TV, you think, oh, okay, he's seven feet tall, yay. You see him on that court, no way. You wouldn't think there's no possible way a human could grow that damn head. No possible way. But um, this does, it is interesting to see. KD, which also brings to Giannis, too, though, because he doesn't, like, if he gets a jump shot, like I said, it's over. Okay. 
So here's the only reason why I'm going to exclude Giannis out of this conversation, because he hasn't won a playoff series yet. Which he should have won last year, because he was the best player by far in that whole series. But that was his first playoff series as the man. Not mm-hmm. using that as an excuse, though. However, however, outside of him and Middleton, let's be real, Bledsoe got his ass cooked by Scary Terry. You know, and the the Bucks didn't have no role players to to line up with Boston, but that's not Giannis's fault. But I have to, have to I have to exclude him from this conversation because he hasn't got past the first round yet, and I don't want to be like, all right, rings is my determining factor, so I can give it to KD. So what I'm gonna do for the sake of this question is I'm gonna go one A, one B, one C. I'm only putting Kevin Durant. At 1B because he has two rings. I can't give him that. But then I Cause, understand Because look where he had to go to win it. Okay. Me, anybody, like you put, take any of these dudes in the league and put them on Golden State. It don't matter who you are. I guarantee, even if you take a Carmelo Anthony, you put him on Golden State. Chances are he going to walk away with a ring. Demarcus Cousins might walk away with the ring this year. I can't put, nah, granted, I'm not judging KD on his move. He's a free agent. The key word in this whole thing was free. He's free to go any way he wants. I can't knock him, man. If you want to give yourself the best opportunity to win, why should I penalize you for that? And guess what? He did. Twice. And we knew he was going to beat Cleveland those first two times. And you still had to go out there and play the games. Not only did they go out there and play the games, but in both series, Kevin Durant was the best player on the court. So that's the probably the only way I kind of slight edge. And plus, the last time, and I mean before that last game, which was a great game between Toronto and Golden State, the last time I really did see Kawhi and KD and remember really going at it, Kawhi was lighting up that whole team. Facts. And had them up 25 points. And that was by himself. There's no way possible. If he didn't get hurt. Yeah, Zaza Pachulia. Zaza. Chances are, actually, San Antonio was going to walk away with that win, and chances are San Antonio could have won that whole series. Because all you need to do is take one on the road, and San Antonio's not an easy place to win in, neither. <laughs> Zaza Pachulia changed the course of Spurs history. Literally. And basically is the whole reason why Kawhi is in Toronto. You know, speaking of changing the course of Spurs history, Jawan Howard also kind of did that in 2001 when he closed out Derek Anderson in the second round. Mm-hmm. Of the playoffs, because if Derek Anderson was healthy, you know what I'm saying. Now they gave him a third piece to go up against that Shaq and Kobe 0-1 Lakers team, but who knows what would have happened. But to get back to clutch time, I'm still gonna go with KD as one B, and I'm gonna go with Kawhi as one C. That's where I'm just gonna go with it. Either way, LeBron's time with the top as the best player. Oh, it's winding down slowly. Oh, yeah, it's, it it's, it's coming, winding down. It His time is coming soon because Father Time is undefeated. And um, speaking of Father Time, I think we are at the end of our first episode of Hoops is a Religion. The NBA Heavy Friday filled episode yes, of Hoops is a Religion. A very, very, very heavy NBA plate. But um, as we as we go on, you know, like we said before, we're going to integrate all elements of basketball onto this podcast because we're coaches, we're fans of the game, 
we pay attention to the game at every single level. So we're looking forward to coming on air, coming on the show, and having these discussions with you. You know, so um, before we leave, I just want to send a big shout out to Rec Room Studios. Know what I mean, my engineer. You know, I, I don't want to mess up your name because I be I was saying etymology and all the. I didn't want to mess it up, but Rec Room Studios. That's where we at right now. You know what I'm saying? You know, coaching us. He's he's the Greg Popovich in the booth for us right now. The goat. He's the goat. The goat. I mean, we looking forward. We looking forward to being great with you. You know, um, shout out to the 37 posse. Amen. You know, shout out Ra. Shout out Miss Santana. You know, Mr. Jones. Um, you know, Preston, custodial staff. You know, y'all definitely solid in our book. You know, and the rest of the um, administration and staff at PS37. Um, I want to send a personal shout out to. Um, my man Ja, my homie Shanika. I want to shout out Coach D, Real Skills, DBD, my brothers. Shout out to Mums and Fritz Old Podcast. Give them a follow. They real funny. And shout out to the working class. You know what I'm saying? We out there doing what we got to do to survive and make a living in this hard-ass city to live in if you make it under 100000 a year. So <laughs> shout out to the working class. You got anybody you want to shout out? Oh, of course. I have to give a very, very, very special birthday shout out to... A good brother of mine, a good Sagittarian brother of mine coming up, Mr. Christopher Edboy Jacques. Hi, hi, what up, Chris? Sagittarian gang in the building. Um, I got it. Yeah, but basically, I think you basically covered everybody since we work in the same damn place. Yeah, <laughs> you man. covered just about everybody. But um, yeah, that's pretty much the only person right about now. I'm right about now. I'm way too tired to think of anybody else. So with that being said, we must bid you all adieu. We are probably tired and majorly pretty much hungry. Yeah, bro, about to whistle. So with right that now. being said, goodbye. Good IG Hoops night. is a religion. Game changed. Game over. Anchor, SoundCloud, Hoops is a religion. This is Hoops is a religion. Have a wonderful evening. Peace.